0: This is a News Laundry Podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. You've just delivered the uh, Neelab Mishra Memorial Lecture on the freedom of press or the freedom of purse and how corporatization of media harms the Indian democracy. And you ended on the note that we need to decide which side of the debate we are on. Do we want freedom of the press or do we want freedom of the purse? So, could you elaborate on that?
1: Well, very simply... Corporate-owned media, journalism and journalists can never be free. That's one. Second, whatever freedom there was, even in that setup, has been swiftly shrinking. There has been some leeway, even in corporate media, There are very fine journalists. and But the space they have to function has shrunk quite rapidly. If you want to get into talking about freedom of the press, mm-hmm. you know, Even 70 years ago, there was A.J. Liebling who said freedom of the press is meant for those who own one Hmm. and you want to get into freedom of the press, then you're going to have to dismantle corporate monopoly.
0: Okay.
1: Now, the answer to that is not state monopoly. We have to think up various new forms, collectives, cooperatives, individual initiatives.
0: In the light of a spate of killings that are happening, there's this... Fear, environment of fear that's being created. So, what do you think has been the role or contribution of this media ownership model that's there?
1: To fear? No, no, I think that these are two... I mean, maybe maybe you're pulling together a couple of different discussions here. One is the role of the media model. Look, what is the role of the media? The role of the media is to make money for its... Make for its owners. Its function, as Liebling said, is to inform people and give them news, but its role
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's, sorry, its role is to make money for its owners. The Lord Thompson who owned the Times of India before it went to Murdoch and others, he once said very frankly, I buy more newspapers, asked by the monopolies commission or whatever it was, mm-hmm. why he was buying so many newspapers. He said, I buy more newspapers to make more money, mm-hmm. to buy more newspapers to make more, more money. money. Mm. And mm-hmm. he was the guy credited with that famous statement that editorial matter, you mean the stuff we use to separate the ads with. Mm-hmm. Okay. At, at mm-hmm. least that was an honest thing. Swamiji Jain's position was also explicit and honest. He said it's like any other product, mm-hmm. a newspaper and journalist.
0: So, what I'm asking is this corporatization of media or this sort of majority of media being owned by smaller groups is this contributing or is this encouraging this sort of fear that is pervading?
1: Media ownership are not threatening you physically, mm-hmm. but what the media ownership do, as even justice. Gogoi's speech in the Assam Tribune Diamond Jubilee said mm-hmm. is that it is enforcing self-censorship. Correct. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. So you, you stop saying things, you stop doing things even if you know them because you want to keep your job, you've got your family to support. These are real for the real world and the real people, for our ordinary journalists in the real world, mm-hmm. that's a very serious issue. What happens if I lose my job? And then you also start recruiting a generation that is groomed and, you know, socialized in your, in your economic philosophy that sees everything through their eyes, through the eyes of their owners. Mm-hmm. So then you don't even have to threaten or bully or anything. And in any case, many times you don't have to threaten because there are questions of shared values. Mm-hmm. So this is one part of it. Corporatized ownership, corporate ownership destroys diversity. Mm -hmm. It stifles smaller but important voices. It destroys journalist freedom by converting the job market of journalists into contract where earlier they had a very solid, tenured stay in a newspaper. Which
0: is which is what my next question is about. Like first, what are your thoughts on the Working Journalists Act? Second, it does little for freelancers and Independent journalists, and I mean, we means, are depending a lot on freelancers these days. Smaller models. Well, that's
1: how the that's how they have broken you down. See, the Working Journalists Act in itself, it was a very fine act. It's being nakedly violated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and the wage board is being shamelessly violated. If you look, the wage board is something in which all these owners participated, mm-hmm. brought the amounts down, brought the stuff down. Mm-hmm. a wage board was signed and sealed a wage board agreement mm-hmm. and then they refused to implement it the supreme court has three times
0: mm-hmm.
1: called upon them to implement, implement it. it and they are just telling the supreme court to FO, they don't give a damn they think they are so powerful mm-hmm. and they know, not think, they know they are so powerful that it's diff- difficult mm-hmm. to put their heads on these things for contempt mm-hmm. you got to see that the thing that these people are so powerful, uh, The the guys who talk about law and upholding of the law in all sorts of other situations—they give a damn about the fact that the wage board has been approved by the supreme. They challenged it in the supreme court in some way, that failed. The supreme court said you have to implement it and has said so three times. Yeah, so it destroys it. They destroyed the independence of the journalist, mm-hmm. but the, uh, and the second, they destroyed the financial security of the journalist and when you when you are on contract mm-hmm. you're going to do what you're told if you're on, in the eighth month of your 11 month contract you're not going to be here. the second question is about danger mm-hmm. i'm saying corporate media journalists mm-hmm. are not anywhere in the kind of danger that small town rural indian language journalists face mm-hmm. those are people vulnerable from mm-hmm. poor background from relatively less affluent backgrounds, mm, relatively poorer backgrounds. They are people who are much more vulnerable, especially those who cover crime, politics, mm-hmm. corruption, and issues like that. If you look at the people who died, mm-hmm. until the time of Gauri Lakesh mm-hmm. and, the, and the three people whom I call journalists mm-hmm. Dabolkar, Pansare and Kalbuti, all of whom are prolific columnists, but they didn't write in English, so how can we call them journalists? Right. So if you look at the CPJ, Committee for Protection of Journalists, between 1992 and 2015, they counted some 40, 50, 60 deaths. 47. Deaths, deaths mm-hmm. but and then since then there have been more. But they counted 27 who could, who you could say, died because of the work they did because of their journalistic role. Mm-hmm. Find me the big city corporate media journalist in the lot. It means two things. One is that all of us have, I mean I include myself, have the backgrounds of privilege.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. We have a certain social background, a caste background, a class background, huge national publications backing us, mm-hmm. which by the way will desert us if the situation warrants. But we it's not been tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all the it's very hard to find a big city english language journalist from a corporate media house in those 27 Mm -hmm. maybe there's one tucked away somewhere but they're not an english language gauri's Mm -hmm. death brings a a change Mm -hmm. even panchare kalburgi and uh, dabulkar wrote in their own languages Mm -hmm. gauri wrote mainly in kanda but she was the she was a big city
0: Mm-hmm.
1: High-profile journalist mm-hmm. with a big standing, even amongst the established corporate media. Is that standing. why
0: we see the difference in the quantity or the scale of outrage that we see after the deaths of these journalists?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rank victimhood, and I don't want to right. rank that. For me, each one of these was a gigantic tragedy. Each True. one of these was a giant. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that we don't. we, we we deny legitimacy mm-hmm. to the small-town journalist. That is what mm-hmm. would be a more correct way of putting it. The minute a guy dies, then there will be a discussion on was he a blackmailer, was he this. <laughs> that will not happen in the, in the case of most
0: okay. big cities. You as a journalist have spent over three decades. Have you faced threats?
1: Look, of, of course. It, with, it's not just threats. Between 1984 and 1993 riots, Mm-hmm. the office where i worked i was deputy chief editor of blitz we were three times the entire office was trashed which mm-hmm. was attacked. in 1993 yeah. during that i mean we were we were just smashed up i mean the front office was gone mm-hmm. and in 1993 in the riots post babri masjid mm-hmm. and the pogrom that followed it the many of our journalists urdu especially the urdu paper mm-hmm. the own the editor of the urdu blitz his house was burnt to the ground Every morning during those three, four weeks, Mm -hmm. I would come to my office and count my colleagues, especially Urdu Blitz colleagues, because if someone was not there, we we had to form a search party to look for it. Two cases, actually the third final round, the management, the management side of the paper blamed me for... Why? Because they were, because the Sena... RSS types were angry with me. Anyway, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that if you do challenging journalism, you will be challenged. But I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that I found I find rural India incredibly safer than urban India. In the reverse, for for guys like us, mm-hmm. for the small town rural journalist, his danger lies there. In, for us, it's forces like fundamentalist forces, ideological battles that come against us.
0: So, Mm -hmm. how do you see things changing? Like even back then the situation was this.
1: I'm saying today the situation is in many respects a hell of a lot worse. Because I have never seen such an atmosphere of intellectual intimidation and Mm -hmm. fear. I'm saying that today the publications don't exist. The corporate ownership will not allow you to be attacking this government or the establishment They are too involved in a million activities that depend on government contracts, on government privatization. Whichever sector you privatize, giant media owners are amongst the very top beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. Whichever sector you privatize, be it spectrum, mining, IPL. And how many things have come out about it, from the enforcement direct rate, the laundering of funds, the match-fixing, spot-fixing, betting, yet it continues. So much of the media have a stake in it for the thousands of crores of ad revenue that this can generate.
0: Isn't this a failure of journalism?
1: There is a very big difference between media and journalism. These are two divorced partners. There's a failure of media. journalism where it exists has been reduced largely to a revenue stream. Mm-hmm. I actually have a great deal of respect and admiration for the journalists battling for space within the corporate media. There are still many of Absolutely. them, much fewer than they were 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and there are going to be much fewer, if any, 10 years hence. Mm-hmm. That's the corporatization homogenesis. Right. A corporate doesn't want a genius. Mm-hmm. It wants someone who will do what she is told. They don't like uh, individual initiative and stuff. You are running a business. You don't want the business upset.
0: And what's the role that the state or the establishment is playing? For example, Reporters Without Borders. We've slipped two positions in the Press Freedom Index. And they've said that Modi's nationalism is one reason. Yeah, i
1: said that since 2014, it has worsened. Today, this country is ruled by an alliance of socio-religious fundamentalists mm-hmm. and market economic fundamentalists. And there are many who are both like Mr. Arun Jetli. I'm saying that this is a country today ruled by a coalition of socio-religious fundamentalists and market economic fundamentalists and some people in both camps. So that has a very big impact. Mm-hmm. What is the big difference between today and three years ago, four years ago? Very simple. It's the first time in your history mm-hmm that an RSS man is your prime minister, an RSS man is your president, an RSS man is your vice president, and the RSS is in power with a majority. Okay? Okay. There was no great mandate in 2014. They won a decisive electoral victory. 31% is not a mandate. There are people who won the election on Mm 24-25% because of the division of fractured nature of the Mm spectrum. Okay? What you do have is... A well you have an RSS Prime Minister, mm-hmm. unlike Vajpayee who was in a minority and had twenty four parties in the coalition, producing some some at least mildly restraining influence, no such restraint
0: mm-hmm.
1: is there now.
0: And then what does the impact of such a Prime Minister amplifying the rhetoric of the French groups? Or rather the Prime Minister not I, saying I, I anything. Beg to,
1: I beg to correct you. These are not fringe groups. They are the hard core center. They are the core of this government. Please name for me which of your ministers is a fringe group. Adityanath is fringe group. He is the goddamn chief minister. He is the chief minister of Uttar Pradesh. Mm-hmm. You don't call him the fringe group. You, and and you have got this entire array of some Paribar organizations. Mm-hmm. That are, by the way as I said, on social media have paid armies Mm -hmm. to target journalists who dare to differ. And there is a serious terror. There are people getting scared Mm -hmm. because of the amount, and anyone would, of the kind of threats. My own position on this is, as I said, I won't recommend it to others, but I will never give these guys the satisfaction Mm -hmm. of saying, I've been threatened, I feel threatened.
0: So my, what do you recommend my, my to the position, journalists?
1: No, I'm not recommending. I'm saying everybody is... You're
0: not recommending this. But yeah. what is your recommendation to the journalists I'm who saying, are you know, being threatened?
1: I think that they have got to seek, by their lights, they've got to seek the protection from a state that is itself the part of the problem. They have no options. Okay. They've got to do that. Mm-hmm. My own feeling is that if I... I don't want to give these guys the satisfaction yeah. of saying that. I have dealt with violence pretty much when I was in blitz. Mm-hmm. I have dealt with violence quite a bit. I've come, Before I became a rural reporter, I covered all the major communal riots. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, from Mirat to Bivandi and... Um, you went to Babri. Babri. Um, but I didn't, I didn't cover the Babri at the Babri. Mm-hmm. The largest contingent of sevaks was from Maharashtra and Andhra. Their return from Babri Masjid sparked the huge violence in Mumbai in January ninety three. We, we lived with that, we faced with that. Mm-hmm. What would I recommend? I would recommend that everybody take every precaution they can to look after themselves. That's what I'd recommend.
0: I have just last two questions and different from corporatization of media. You've worked, you've covered rural India very extensively. So do you think the mainstream media or the legacy houses provide enough space to agrarian issues For example, when I was observing media's coverage of the latest Farmer's Long March, I didn't think they did enough.
1: They didn't do nothing until the fourth or fifth day. When the march started, there was not a single correspondent from corporate, not mainstream, corporate media, big media. Correct. There was not a single correspondent there. Mm -hmm. They scorned it. I mean, they they didn't think. Suddenly, as it approached Mumbai, they realized because Pari was there, maybe news click was there mm-hmm. and uh, our reporting of it suddenly made the mumbai media realize that they had missed something the people's archive of rural india had parth mn he walked with the march for mm-hmm. quite a bit of the distance and as they came to mumbai suddenly i'm flooded with calls from the young decent young people of corporate media who sees an opportunity to do something worthwhile mm-hmm. And the poor things, and then, of course, the more established corporate media correspondents ringing up and asking, yeah, can you tell us what the issues are in a nutshell? Issues... And what did you ish, respond? I said, issues unfolding over decades. You want to try and understand in moments. I'm not sure I can help you, but this is what I think is happening. And okay. told them what I thought. See, for me, the cent, the centrality of journalism for me mm-hmm. It's public interest. Field reporting. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the actual operational. Field reporting is the centrality. Mm -hmm. That's why in the 25 years I've been a full-time rural reporter out of the 38. I used to do rural reporting before, but not Mm -hmm. full-time. I kept myself that I will not fall below an average of 250 days a year in the field. Sometimes I manage 270.
0: Do you think it's... Again, I'm coming back to the model because... Not sending reporters to the field and letting them go and talk to people on these farms, people living off agriculture, is expensive. Going to the ministry is not. Yeah,
1: sending people to Davos is cheap. The guys who don't have 5,000 rupees, 10,000 rupees to send a correspondent Mm -hmm. from Mumbai to Nashik. They're willing to spend lakhs and lakhs of rupees to send correspondents to the costliest city in Europe at that time, which is Davos. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, they were, why could they send correspondents there? Because the Confederation of Indian Industry and the Commerce Ministry were hugely subsidizing these trips earlier. Mm-hmm. So therefore, in the early years of Davos, you had an incredible number. I think more than any country of Europe outside of Switzerland, mm-hmm. India had correspondence. And you were, had the money to hire studios. Mm-hmm. You set up studios over there in hotels and elsewhere. So you have what? all okay you have all the money for that i'm trying to tell you this is a revenue model it's mm-hmm. not expensive it's what makes me money gets covered
0: which is what i was trying to understand how is the priority determined
1: the priority is money the priority is revenue i'm saying you know talk tv we call it chattering tv we call it talk tv mm-hmm. it's not a pejorative term it's a revenue model if say the uttarakhand floods happen mm-hmm. yeah then you want to cover it properly. And by the way, how come newspapers and magazines, which were not corporate, which were not having this kind of resources, how did they manage to send correspondence? So while you are just looking at making money, you are not looking at the what should be the social function of the media. It's about money.
0: So last thing, I also wanted your thoughts on... How these priorities, apart from the business model and the revenue decisions, how is the constitution of the newsroom playing a role in the priorities chosen?
1: The priorities of of the newsroom are not set by the newsroom. They are not set by the journalists. Okay. Okay. First of all, look at the fact, as corporatization took place, Mm -hmm. a number of beats were simply discarded. Mm
0: -hmm. Hmm? And one of these... A regular...
1: I'll give you an example. A regular newspaper, not a financial newspaper, can have twelve correspondents on business. Right? When I joined journalism, mm-hmm. most major newspapers had a labor correspondent full time. Correct. Many of them had. Mm-hmm. That went extinct by eighty-five, by nineteen eighty-five. Can you name me a single full-time labor correspondent who's not also doing poultry farming and? Mm-hmm. Things like that, full-time labor correspondent. So
0: why do you think the beats go extinct?
1: I'm telling you, those those beats don't make them money. You know, it now, all goes now. Back look, a, there are the channels country. that have run.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. They they say you know readers are not interested. There are channels that have run whole programs for years on golf. What is the percentage of the Indian population interested in golf? Right, nothing. Mm-hmm. But please hear what I am saying about the labor correspondent and the agriculture correspondent. When you say Mm -hmm. that I will not have uh, a labor correspondent and a agriculture field correspondent, Mm -hmm. you are saying that 75% of the population do not make news. Though farmers are not a large population, people dependent on agriculture, Mm -hmm. they are a very large population. So do you understand what I am saying that they don't, they don't make money. What's there in it for us? Mm-hmm. Salman Khan does. Therefore, how much heart-wrenching there is over this guy, whatever he does, mm-hmm. there's a huge section of the media to defend him because their money depends on him.
0: So, you shouldn't we place some responsibility on the public?
1: You're blaming the victim. Play, put responsibility on yourself as a journalist mm-hmm. to fight for something different. You're blaming the victim. Generation has grown up thinking these supplements, Bombay Times, Delhi Times or whatever, are journals. They've been socialized that way. I don't I don't buy this thing of blaming the victim. Okay. Nobody asked for that. Mm-hmm. They were it was shoved down their throats. And listen, one more thing I'm telling you, I've been predicting for 25-30 years. This ad revenue model of journalism is dead. Mm-hmm. We'll see how they will struggle, how they increase the concentration will become like there will be one owner. Mm-hmm. As I said once, by 2022, all of us could be working for Mukesh Ambani or at least three, four Ambani's. So, but you can, it need not be so. That was the point I was making. Three. It need not be so if we decide to do those eight, ten things that I said that we should be doing.
0: So, the closing question is what's your hope for journalism? If I was not,
1: see, that's a good word. There is fake optimism. Economy will grow at 10% and poverty will be history. And there is cynical pessimism. Kuch nahi. Both are the same thing. They absolve people of individual responsibility. Kuch sudrega nahi, mai kya What's the book? Everything is so wonderful and growth is going at 10% and poverty will be history. Why do I need to do anything? Right? Between cynical pessimism and fake optimism, there's a territory called hope. I live there. Okay.
0: All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent.